0: Welcome to Magecast, this is episode 50, the big Five O. Thanks so much for listening for all these episodes, if that's you, if it's not you, and this is your first time tuning in, hopefully you enjoy today's episode. If you don't, hopefully you keep listening anyway, because honestly I need the clicks. Uh, today is going to be a special episode and it's appropriate that you know we're, we're hitting our 50th episode we're getting up there in age I think you'll find that the game we're going to talk about is appropriate for that but first let me uh, let me introduce my special guest here today this is one of the founders of the well-read mage a good friend of mine uh, who's known as the black humor mage aka Armando how's it going sir pretty good how you doing <sighs> I'm doing good thanks thanks for asking uh, what have you been up to recently existing for sure <laughs> for sure well that's uh, good uh what have you been playing
1: uh recently final fantasy 7 the og final fantasy 7 mm. um back when final fantasy 7 remake came out i b- got a day one and like it took me a month uh, to platinum that on ps4 um and then on switch they went on sale for like 50% off so I was like dude I'll buy Final Fantasy 7 on the go for like 8 bucks heck yeah and so um I have I've played Final Fantasy 7 before uh, like we did the review on it it's up on YouTube you guys can watch it if you want
0: oh yeah the dual cast the dual cast yeah both of us reviewed it you from the perspective of modernity and yeah. myself from the perspective of ancient times i guess i don't know how you would phrase that
1: yeah i i would phrase it like that actually i'm
2: getting old
1: yeah um but i beat the story originally um now that i have this version where you can do like three times as fast and like uh, no random encounters and like god mode and all that i just like just plowed through the story and then like grinded a bunch and then i did all the extra stuff like a gold chocobo um, getting all the characters to 99, leveling up materia, and then defeating Ruby and Emerald weapon, which I just did today for the first time.
0: First time, congratulations for today.
1: So that was fantastic. I loved iconic
0: it. super bosses.
1: Oh yeah, I love those. They were great.
0: So that's great. Final Fantasy VII. Um, now you're going to embark on an epic journey of the rest of the PlayStation One Final Fantasy. Uh, yeah that's candy. right
1: um since all the final fantasies were like 50 percent off on the switch straw i just like bought all of them uh 7 8 9 and 10 and, sweet uh, i already have 12 um zodiac Age, but uh, i haven't played that yet i was just like i kind of want to do them in order even though you don't have to but i just i don't know that's just the way i wanted to so eight is up next so um yeah have you played tactics no, I haven't. That's what I do want to play, though. Um, yeah, hopefully they port that. That'd be nice if they could port that.
0: Yeah. Do you have a... What was it on? Uh, it's like on ps, PS- I c- I
1: could get it on PS3. Um.
0: Oh, I was going to say PSP. Do you oh, have a PS3. PSP? No, I don't have a PSP. Uh, I used to. Um. Well, it's on the PS3 store. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: I can get it on the PS3 store. Maybe one of these days they probably will, but I do. I would like it if they ported it to Switch because... Um, I really like playing handheld a lot with the Switch. Especially
0: for those old games, it makes it a bit easier, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially.
0: Well, best of luck to you on your Final Fantasy journey. Uh, Eight is next, then, I guess, for you. And uh, widely considered to be a black sheep, whether you love it or hate it, sort of a thing. Um, Hopefully you love it, and it's time well spent. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Well, as I said, tonight we're going to talk about a game that's appropriate for our big 50 mark. Uh tonight's episode title is Kiss Me I'm Old. We're talking about Metal Gear Solid 4: Guns of the Patriots, developed by Kojima Productions and published by Konami in 2008 for the PlayStation 3. I think we do need to break down that uh that title a bit for some folks. So, uh the legend goes that when Armando and I were talking about uh, doing a Metal Gear Solid 4 podcast, uh, we had a bit of trouble coming up with, um, with a good name. And I did want to shout out uh, the one-winged mage who, uh, who had a, a great uh, suggestion for a title. Uh, it was Tactical Geriatric Action. Um, kiss Me I'm Old Happen. Because we were trying to come up with a title and we're like, uh, what's a movie where um, I asked you, Armando, I, I, what's a movie um, about somebody that's over the hill or, or getting too old? Like sort of that movie cliche, I'm getting too old for this kind of thing. And you said... The Irishman. Which I've not seen, but... I've seen it. So i kind of a general gist. Yeah, so... Who is it? Um, Robert... Downey Jr.?
1: Yeah. No, Downey Sr. because he's old. Oh
0: Downey. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Uh De Niro is kind of over the hill in that movie then. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So um he said the Irishman. I was like, well, we can't call it the Irishman. Um and then I thought of Kiss Me, I'm Irish. So I said that, and then you said Kiss Me, I'm old. <laughs> and we could not stop laughing <laughs> over Kiss Me, I'm Old. So I'm sorry. But that's what the
1: title's just gonna have to be. I'm sorry if the title creeps you out and that you can't listen to this. But hey, that's old people
0: get kisses, young people get kisses from old people. people? I didn't say from whom. No, from that's... old people. I said uh, anyway. So uh, you know, I realize that no game is for everybody, uh, and that's okay. There are plenty of games out there for a bunch of different kinds of people. Uh, But I do appreciate people like Burko who said, I will listen to this in support of an awesome podcast, but I genuinely dislike this game very, very much. (laughs) And I appreciate people who keep listening to the show despite, uh, you know, every once in a while there's a a game that they don't much care for. By the way, every episode of Magecast is brought to you by spoilers. Yes, spoilers. Ruining storylines for you since 1936 spoilers uh this is a spoilers cast every episode of mage cast is a spoilers cast so if you've not played Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots and you're concerned about spoilers you probably need to look up a different episode of mage cast instead uh I'm sorry but we're gonna talk about spoilers we're gonna talk about this game in depth so that's just the way it's got to be uh duct tape plays put it in a nice crystalline form, he said, ah, uh, a mage cast I can't listen to until I actually get around to playing the game. No. Why did you almost make like a
1: quasi-Italian accent with that? I
0: did not. That was not a quasi-Italian accent. Hey,
1: you almost, I felt like you almost wanted to make it. But Why you, would I do that? You,
0: you said, ah, uh, uh, a mage. Uh, well, because it says, ah, uh, right here. He wrote, ah, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, Ah, uh, a mage cast. Yeah, it almost sounds like, like Mario that. going, oh, <laughs> ah, a mage cast I can't listen to until I actually get around to playing the game. No! Wow!
2: That's
0: what Mario sounds I'm like. I'm so glad But did I that. can tell you that Duct Tape Plays does not sound like that, because he was actually my guest on the previous episode. Oh, was he? That we just did. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so he, he sounds not like that. It oh, doesn't sound like a stereotype. That's
1: funny. What game did you guys do? Uh,
0: We talked about Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Oh, I, I got to listen to that one. Yeah, it was good. It was great. Duct tape plays is a great guy, and uh, it was a fun episode. Talked about it quite a bit. Uh, he's played in tournaments, so um, definitely look that up if okay, you're interested cool. in that game. Yeah. Well, let's get into MGS4 and address some mage facts. Here's some facts about this game. Upon release, MGS4 set two world records, one for longest cutscene sequence at 71 minutes and longest single cutscene at 27 minutes. David Hayter, the voice of Old Snake, called it, quote, a throat scorcher. Yikes. MGS4
1: was the first PS3 game to use a 50 gigabyte dual layer Blu-ray disc during development the team considered spreading the game across two disc kojima slated in an interview that there wasn't enough space which
0: is pretty crazy uh, this is a gigantic game then if it wouldn't fit in a in a 50 gig yeah. well thank god it was on a ps3 cuz
1: i feel like the first xbox 360 didn't uh, use i actually it never did
0: use any blu-ray disc oh so, and that probably goes into the exclusives that we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. The titles of the game's six acts are references to specific characters. That's Liquid Sun, Solid Sun, Third Sun, Twin Suns, Old Sun, Naked Sin, Slash Naked Sun. And there's Liquid Snake, Solid Snake, Solidus Snake, that's Third Sun, Twin Snakes, Twin Suns, Old Snake, and Naked Snake, which if you remember your MGS lore, that was Big Boss's original code name in MGS3 for some reason. I always thought there was a lot of innuendo in MGS3. Snake Eater, Naked Snake, just... What are you talking about? I'm just... Okay, we're talking about a Kojima game here. <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> I'm not being facetious. I'm not exactly a conspiracy theorist when I suggest that there's some innuendo in these <laughs> games.
1: A patch for trophy support was not released until August 2012.
0: Which is mind-blowing! This game came out in two thousand eight. Oh, that long? Yeah.
1: Oh, were there no tro- were I had, I didn't know trophies were like optional
0: uh, on the PS2 when they when they first started. Uh, I don't know how normal of a thing this was for PS3 games, but uh, what I read today was that this like hit like meme level complaints like like when are we getting Mother Three kind of a thing. Oh, Where, like man. people were like, when are we getting trophies for this game? And they finally, finally, finally. Released it after four years. I mean, that's nuts. In today's gaming terms, that's like long enough to forget about it.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised that even after all those years, um, they put them in. Um, yeah. I still didn't never did that, but
0: you still never did that. What do you mean?
1: I, or I still never completed all the trophies. Oh, Platinum it. Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll talk so, about that in a minute. Oh my gosh, yeah. the game includes a lot of Apple product placement, including Mac computers and iPods. Maybe that's one reason why it never uh, went to Microsoft Xbox, but um, like I said, we'll talk about exclusivity in a little bit. You know what's interesting? I read a news headline today that said uh,
1: Apple doesn't let bad guys use their um, products in any
0: medium. So. That's interesting. Doesn't let like villains. Yeah. I right, So I thought I was like, who does Apple consider like bad guys? Like, like villains, like the antagonists. In fiction, yeah. Yeah. yeah, in yeah. fiction. Yeah in huh. uh
1: in any kind of medium so i think autocon uses uh, a mac like a big mac
0: using a big mac oh and not I- not McDonald's. <laughs> an imac uh, an I imac he yeah has the same computer like, i have because i was
1: thinking of like a mac airbook and so yeah anyways um and snake uses the classic ipod which is that was a great product the original ipod
0: Mm, I never had one. You never had one. Of those? Never had. Oh, one. Those are amazing. That's another reason why Old Snake is cooler than I am.
1: So does that mean Otacon and uh, Big Boss are good guys? I mean, a uh, solid Snake are good
0: guys. Then, yeah. If they use Apple, I products? guess according to Apple, at least according to Apple. Yeah, right. Um, okay, but that's tentative. Apple's. If you're following a story mode podcast, Apple is having this fight with Epic, and uh, so Apple's grasp on fictional morality might be skewed, but. Who knows? Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, uh, Konami put limitations on reviews of the game ahead of its release, including limitations on discussing the length of cutscenes and install times. Many publications commented on these unusual limitations, and some even delayed their reviews because of them. Uh, so I thought this was interesting. Um, cause it's something that I deal with, obviously, not games of like uh, this mainstream, but I deal with a lot of codes um, that we get in advance to cover usually like indie games and things like that. And so there's things like embargo that you have to be aware of. Sometimes they do put limitations on your reviews. Uh, one that I recently reviewed, they said, um, please don't talk about the final 15 minutes of this particular game, the game called manifold garden. And to be honest, like when I played it, I was like, I don't know why they said that, but, um, you know, you have to respect that. That's, that's part of the limitations they put on it. But apparently this was a big enough deal for publications to actually say, we're going to delay our review um, to get past the embargo. Um, I think it was saying a a couple of sites actually didn't review the game at all because of this limitation.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder how common that was back then, but, I mean, for a game like this, I don't think I would have wanted it
0: spoiled. uh, Well, I mean, you're talking about length of cutscenes and install times. I'm assuming... that if you t- put it in your review, and by the way, there's a 71 minute cutscene in this game yeah. that might actually affect your sales, sales you know. which I think that Konami was aware of. Okay. I'm guessing. I,
1: I guess that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, it's not very good PR for um no. that game at all. Because anytime like the general gaming uh, public.
0: Mentions that game. It's just always about how long the cutscenes are. Exactly, and it's indicative here too. Yeah. I mean, the first mage cast our mage fact. Beg your pardon, that we mentioned was how long the cutscenes are. Yeah. that's probably the biggest talking point yeah. about this game.
1: Yeah, I don't even notice it. How long? Yeah, are.
0: right. <laughs> are you kidding? Not You're, when I first watched it. I did, man. When I. <sighs> I finished the game at like 1130 at night, my mistake, and I did not finish watching the game until like, what, almost like one in the morning or something like that. Uh, you probably, dude, I was like 17
1: or 18 when I played this game, so like, yeah, I could like stay up till the middle of the night. Oh, for me, if
0: I stay up past midnight, like I feel my bones breaking. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it was, that's a long ending. That's yeah, it's very long. Ending. I'll give it that. It's yeah. not, not long. It's not not long. <laughs> there you go. The
1: next fact, and final fact: Johnny Sasaki is a crime against humanity. <laughs> Why would you make me read that? Uh, well,
0: because it's a fact, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was
1: going to say this is subjective, but it, that's not that's subjective. not subjective. Come on, the it's Geneva not.
0: Convention, the UN, it all agree. Why did I say the Geneva Convention?
1: Superman with lobotomized Johnny Sasaki. Dang. And an Elseworlds story. Wow. All
0: right, let's get into a little bit of personal experience here.
1: Oh, I didn't know this was a job interview.
0: What are your qualifications I to played, be on
1: this podcast? I played Metal Gear Solid 4. Okay. When did you
0: play Metal Gear Solid 4?
1: Um, This was probably like 2013. So. so you didn't play it at release? No, yeah. I mean, at release, I was like 2008, right? So yeah. I was like 13. And so you I probably like... shouldn't be playing Metal Gear Solid. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I well, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I played plenty of M-rated games um, early on, much sooner than I should have. But Metal Gear Solid Four was just not something I was gonna play.
0: Yeah. at like 13,
1: <laughs> I hadn't even played like any of the. Seems fairly original normal for ones. like a 13
0: year. Like I've heard 14 year olds brag about all the prostitutes they ran over in cars. Yeah. I'm just like, "Oh. i hope you're talking about a video game." Anyway, <laughs> uh I just played it recently like a couple months ago. Um had had it for years, wanted to play it for years. Actually, I actually have two copies somehow. Um which is great because when I was playing it, the disc uh skipped and froze um in the middle of a cutscene, unfortunately uh so then i swapped in the other disc and it let me proceed and then that game that disc froze so then i put in the other one and that's how i was able to finish the game
1: oh man life is so serendipitous sometimes yeah
0: so <laughs> uh the second disc actually froze at the end of that scene when snake is crawling through the hall of radiation oh dude I love and that so i had to do the tapping like like twice in a row. So I did the tapping and then it froze at the end of the hallway. And I was like, Are you kidding me? So I had to pop it pop in the other disc, redo that whole thing. My forearm is like covered in muscle and veins right now, still from that workout. Um so far as the accomplishments now, you you said you didn't platinum this. Did you did you try at least or I remember I wanted to and
1: uh I went through the game with uh no alerts i remember Uh um and i unlocked things like the solar gun and uh a few other weapons like the um i think i was trying to do the stealth camo as well and uh after i I thought about platinuming it uh i was collecting like ipod tracks and then like i just looked through the list and i'm like a lot of this stuff seems like very impossible
0: (laughs) Very impossible.
1: I remember um, one of the trophies is to unlock an iPod track or to unlock all of the iPod tracks. And when I was looking up the guide for this, I think one of the iPod tracks can only be unlocked um, by playing the online aspect of it. Oh. And so I'm just like, this is like impossible. So there's not that
0: many. I'm looking at it right now. No, there's not that many. Looks like a dozen and a half at a glance. Yeah. Um but I'm sure some of these can take a while. Viewed all flashbacks.
1: And I tried doing, okay, that's one I
0: tried doing. I tried doing all the flashbacks. That's during a cutscene, um, where like an icon will pop up to press a button and it'll flash. Yeah, like, push flashbacks. X. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so I went through the whole, I played the whole game a second time through. I did all the flashbacks and the trophy didn't even pop.
0: So you must have missed one. Or I, I we glitched.
1: It was probably a glitch, because like, I, I I went through each cutscene very thoroughly, and uh, it just didn't pop. And I think it was a glitch, because I, I did this very thoroughly. That sucks. And so, yeah. <laughs> at that point, I just gave up. I was just like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing any of this other stuff. Nope.
0: Yeah. Uh, looking at it, some of these are easier than others, but... Um yeah the the grind i don't i don't do trophies anymore but the the runs that i attempted so this is the first time i ever tried this in a metal gear solid game um the first time i played it i did a no kill run which was fun um it provided like a little extra kind of a challenge of of the first time through the game and not really knowing what was ahead um some of the bosses i was like i don't know how i'm supposed to beat this non-lethal um But it was fun. And then I did a second run through um, right away. There was a no alert run. And then I did a third run through right away. Played it back to back on the extreme, uh, the boss extreme difficulty. And then after that was when I discovered the big boss run, um, which we should probably talk about. There There is a question here from Maximiliano Edo. Who asked, have you tried the boss extreme difficulty with zero deaths and zero alerts? So when you finish the game, you get all these different emblems, right? Based on things and accomplishments that you've done in the game. Um, Like not being seen. I think you get like an octopus or something like that. Um, But you could get the big boss emblem. If you play the game on extreme difficulty and do all these things. So it's complete the game in less than five hours use no continues, use no health items, kill no enemies, no alert phases, no special items, that's camo, infinite, bandana, that sort of thing, uh, and complete the game on the hardest difficulty. Uh, I thought I was going to want to attempt that, and then I read through it, and I was like, no. Yeah. No.
1: I read through that, too, and I
0: thought the same thing. I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no. The, uh, now, out of those, what would you say is the hardest thing? Because yeah. beating the game in under five hours,
1: possibly. Because I mean, I could do like the no kills, the no alerts. Mm-hmm. Um, but to do yeah, that I could under do five, five hours, before, right? Yeah, yeah, and but to do that under five hours, I don't know, because you you have to wait a lot to like not be seen and like do no kills. There's a lot of waiting done in that. Yeah. So you gotta know like exactly each point a to point b to point c to point d that you're making across the whole level to get yeah. through
0: it uh for me i was thinking that the crying wolf scene or boss fight would be real hard under these restrictions Yeah, because you're i mean you can't be seen that would be real tough i'll agree with you i'll probably say completing the game in less than five hours now i tried that to speed run through it on like my third run or something like that and i did it in six hours and 45 minutes and i yeah. thought i was being quick yeah, no. So you would probably have to use a guide for that. So neither of us have completed the big boss run. If you have and you're listening, I would like to digitally shake your hand. So uh, contact me, please. Please let me know.
1: American heroes.
0: Yeah. Real American heroes. Let's talk about. Let's talk about Hideo Kojima himself. A uh, question from Summerfelt R who said, I think my only question is this, is Hideo Kojima a genius or a madman? This is actually something that you and I, Armando, have talked about uh, in some detail, off and on several times. Definitely when I was playing through the game. Right now I'm playing through uh, MGS5 Phantom Pain, so this is still fresh on my mind. But um, And this will kind of carry us into this idea of the, the themes of metal gear as a series um and kojima's kind of weird dance that he does with the seriousness of you know anti-war themes and things like that and then the absolute uh, absurd ideas that he has at the same time um but let's talk about him as a as a director as a creator as a developer for a little bit i might be
1: out of line for saying this but i think hideo kojima exists (laughs)
0: <laughs> so you don't think that he's like an ai like no. a patriot just running the planet Not totally. um goodness.
1: no kojima um is he a madman or a genius uh i mean this is my favorite video game series um that sucks <laughs> <laughs> hey your favorite series is final fantasy so i wouldn't yeah, start I, talking yeah yeah whatever i wouldn't start talking <laughs> um this is my favorite series um so, I, 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 it's, it's simple to call him one thing is to <laughs> s- simplify him way too much. Because, um, I mean, there's he has moments of genius for sure, uh-huh. but um, he also has moments where he just like, what are you thinking? Right. <laughs> it's like not good at all. Hey,
0: listen, one of the things that we that we found out when we were trying to find out facts for this game is he wanted the models who are motion capturing the beauty and the beast core to perform nude. Uh, apparently now I haven't dug into that to figure out how legit that is, but that was something that somebody had reported, um, in a, a thing about facts on this game. And that's just like, you know, I'm going to change
1: my answer. I think it's a madman. Okay. I think it's crazy because I just remembered too. um, Metal Gear Solid five that you're playing through right now. Uh-huh. Uh, the character quiet. Who's oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> Probably like the most like scantily clad you could be before you just.
0: That's not true. She has a belt on.
1: Oh, that's true. But um, I remember when people uh, were complaining about um how she was dressed. His response was, "Uh, you you will all see once you play the game, and like you'll eat your words." He said something like that, <laughs> and then, like I remember. I played the game. I'm like this like excuse that you came up with why she's dressed like this still sucks. Right, was, even uh, in context of the game, it was
0: that she breathes through her skin, so right. She would suffocate with more clothes on. Yeah, and so it like even ridiculous. even
1: that excuse sucked. And I'm just like, all right, you just wanted her like this, and then like a few well, years, yeah, a few year... the... no way, hold on, go ahead. And go then ahead. like a few years later, he's just like, oh, I just wanted it just for the cosplay.
0: Uh, he said that. He said that. I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, so yeah, I've said it before. I think Kojima's a horn dog in, in yeah. some respects. At the same time, this is anime. Metal Gear Solid yeah. is an anime mm-hmm. series that uses like realistic Westerner type visuals. Uh, but it's straight up an anime. Yeah, it has all of the cliches and the stereotypes of anime, minus like the color coding by hair and and some of the the more Things like that. I don't think Ryden's exactly like Sundere and stuff like that. If that's how you actually pronounce that, I don't know. I don't care. Revolver Ocelot's kind of Sundere. Ooh, People he kiss t- his snake at the end, right? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna talk about that later. Um, so <clears throat> I think Kojima Kojima's both. I think he's both like you. I think he's both a genius and also a madman. Um, I think that, and this is something that I was talking about with uh the bookworm mage Wesley Shantz way back. On our Xeno Gears episode, when he suggested that it seems like with a lot of creators, and we're talking about like, you know, like the history of the Western canon and things like that, and literature, it seems like with a lot of creators, they peak early in their careers. And their best works are some of their earlier works. Um, I tend to think that that's true with Hideo Kojima. Um, It seems like some of his earlier Metal Gears were a little more grounded a little less silly uh silliness being one of the things that actually put me off of metal gear solid series of the metal gear solid series for a while i played three and i thought you know the heart of three was really great but then there's also like a kung fu guy that can like control bees with his mind inexplicably and there's also a guy that has like you know, multiple joints in like his entire body. And there's also a guy that's like over a hundred years old that his like liver spots can turn into camouflage. So, and there's like a guy that shoots lightning and stuff like that. And it gets more comic booky and more comic booky. There's nothing wrong with that in a sense, but that's not what I perceived Metal Gear Solid to be having started with the first game. Um, So all that to say, I think in my opinion, Hideo Kojima peaked early um, death stranding. And maybe we could get your, some of your thoughts. You play death stranding, oh, woof. but death stranding seems to me to be, uh, much further down the slope than, you know, some of his earlier Metal Gear Solid games. Um, but, uh, you know, I know that people, there are some people who furiously love, uh, death stranding. And so, um, I don't know. You, well, You played it. I didn't play it. I mm-hmm. like to make fun of it because it's easy. But you like to make fun of a lot of things. That are easy. it's low hanging fruit. I like fruit. Yeah. So go ahead. What were your thoughts on Death Stranding
1: in relation to what we're
0: talking about about Kojima?
1: Um, it definitely feels very Kojima. Um, the storyline has a lot of interesting things about it. Um, uh, for sure, like like the universe and the world building, like that's the stuff where it shines. Um. And like these very eccentric characters, um, some like somewhat silly stuff in it. It's not as silly as the Metal Gear Solid series. Um, and then like some really stupid names for things too, like typical Kojima stuff. But um, I think that the part that disappointed me the most about Death Stranding was just the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, Heard that a lot. Yeah, I mean, for yeah, for me, the the story is it's mixed. I think there's a lot I really like about it. There's a lot I don't like about it. Um, So it's very mixed for me with the story, but it's just the gameplay that it was just like a a trudge to get through. I could barely get through that game. Mm -hmm. It was, it sucked. The Mm -hmm. gameplay was really bad, especially compared to 5, because 5 I I love so much uh, just for the gameplay.
0: And to my mind, well, I mean, aside from Metal Gear Solid 4, I think Metal Gear Solid 4 had great gameplay. And I think Metal Gear Solid 5 has a lot of great gameplay too. Um, But Death Stranding, seemed like a trade-off where he was like, you know, we're going to emphasize the weirdness. You remember the lead up to Death Stranding? Mm -hmm. It was all just, dude, look at how weird this is. Every trailer was like, hey, you want some weird? We're getting weirder. Mm -hmm. Hey, look at how weird this is. Hey, this is weird, isn't it? And there was little to no reveal or discussion or tease about the gameplay itself. (laughs) It's so much so that at one point I joked in a tweet, I was like, Wouldn't it be hilarious if Death Stranding just turned out to be a card game? Because we didn't know. I was just like, what do you do in this? And it ended up being that you walk around. Um, So I I question sometimes, is Kojima just in love with weirdness for weirdness' sake? I think so. He's just like, this is different, so let's do that.
1: Yeah. I think he likes to. I always uh, think about this uh, clip from YouTube I remember I watched of... um one of the developers that worked with him on *Metal gear solid three uh heard kojima said he wanted a boss the boss fight with end to take place in real time oh yeah <laughs> an actual two weeks and the developer had to tell him like this is impossible
0: and you we cannot can't do, do a two-week boss fight yeah imagine so you're not you're talking about a game that would take two weeks to be that's insane Kojima, I think it's difficult to talk about Kojima in any honest fashion, though, especially with strangers online. Uh, Kojima is a very revered developer and creator. Um, you know, many people consider him this great auteur. Um, I think you know a lot of his work is fantastic. I just don't always buy sort of that again that that anime silliness. Nothing wrong with that, but it, and here is where we'll we'll bring it into themes. I think if you're having a game talk about like Metal Gear Solid 4, talk about like the horrors of war, uh these really dark ideas and anti-war themes, um legacy, things like that. Um it's it's kind of ridiculous to to balance those ideas uh those serious ideas next to something that's really like just crazy. So one of the one of the moments where that jumped out to me was uh yeah, you know, when you beat the the beauty and the beast uh core members, um the character Drebin calls you up and he inexplicably just starts talking and it's like, Oh, by the way, here's like ten minutes of you know, why this character is messed up. And the first time I was like, geez, that is dark. And the second time I was like, That's really dark, like bordering like absurdly dark. Like like <laughs> like impossibly dark. Yeah. Um, and then by the third time I was like, like immune to it. I was just like, this is just bizarre, you know, it's, and so, you know, you're talking about all these things like, Hey guys, war is bad and things like that. And then the very next scene will be like an anime fight scene where like vamp and Raiden are dancing, like break dancing on top of each other with like daggers coming out of their feet. And like that, like spinning move that Raiden does with his like yeah. his his legs attached by wires to the gecko is just like it's hilariously cool. Uh, but it's almost like MGS four is the wrong vehicle for like this is not Apocalypse Now. This is not Platoon. This is an anime.
1: Yeah, like I said, Middle Gear Solid is absolutely an anime. <laughs> like even the characters, um, they don't look like real people. Like uh, they feel like anime characters, like when you when you look at them. And for as much as Kojima um, loves these very uh, serious and dark themes, he does have so much like wackiness in it. And like as a fan of the series, you kind of learn to like love some of that. Yeah, um, and I
0: want to emphasize that I do. I mean, I think that's what you play this series for.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I can't. Ima- I mean. 'Cause then it would just be like like I don't
0: know, splinter splinter cell. Splinter cell. There'd be, <laughs> Say, yeah.
1: You couldn't separate these two games if you know uh if Middle Gear Solid wasn't what it is, you know. Yeah.
0: It's not like a straight faced so, war game. It's
1: not a Tom Clancy game. No, no, no. So
0: um and that is I agree, that's part of its charm. I think from a from a narrative perspective, that stuff gets in the way of it conveying its themes with more power. I think so. Um like it could make it's points probably more acutely if it neglected those sillier ideas. But those sillier ideas are part of the reason why you're playing it. So it's sort that's of a good, double-edged sword. That's a good explanation. Yeah. Hopefully. I did find a an article today uh, that was titled A Definitive List of All the Weird SHIT That Happens in the Metal Gear Series, which was a beautiful article that just goes through each game one at a time in chronological order, uh, starting with metal gear. Um, so not even metal gear solid and listing all of this, the crazy things that happen. Uh, my favorite, um, moment that it shouts out is, uh, it says the villain of the game has a ship with a version of Mount Rushmore on the front, but instead of the president's it is big boss and all his clones. This is never mentioned or brought up again. As a weird and unnecessarily time-consuming thing to do with your time, especially for a terrorist, because <laughs> uh, it is—it's just a bare glimpse of like you know, this ship rises out of the water, and also I was like, "Out of the haven, brother!" And then on the front, like it's on the prow. Yeah, it, it's just a Mount, like a Mount Rushmore recreated. But with Big Boss and Liquid Solidus and and uh, Solid on there, and I want to know who they hired to make that. Like who sculpted that? <laughs> like what were they talking about? In game, like, in game, like, like in the universe. Because obviously he didn't make it himself.
1: Oh, well, maybe he did.
0: Nano machines. That's the explanation for everything.
1: Ocelot has like a, a nano machine, like brain of like a sculptor or something. like
0: that. Builds. Maybe he cut off the arm of a sculptor, grafted it on himself, and hypnotized himself into thinking he was the artisan that could sculpt that. And then he did it.
1: Honestly, that makes more sense than him like going through the process of like hiring like some,
0: like a contractor to (laughs) (laughs) build. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Like who would go out there and do that? Like the property brothers. Yeah. They're just like, all right. So this is going to be like $4 billion to build like a custom stone. I guess it wasn't even stone because it's on the front of a ship. What's it made out of? I don't know. Titanium. Probably. But it is one of the it's a perfect example of one of the, like, the sillier things. Um, it doesn't necessarily. And this is one thing I appreciate about it. Does not necessarily take you out of the game or, or remove all of the sense of tension. There's a decent amount of tension in that scene. Yeah. But it is so fast and so silly they're kind of like, what? I laughed the first time I saw it.
1: I laughed the first time I saw it, too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I wonder if that was his intention. I guess. I mean, it's hard to fathom that he would have been like, oh, man, people are going to think this is so cool. I think he did, though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't know. So, uh, it yeah, it makes me makes me question whether, you know... Uh, MGS4, or any of these games, especially the latter ones, are appropriate vehicles for the that they're in a sense mature enough for the mature themes that they want to address. Um, there were themes in MGS4 that I felt were kind of underdeveloped in that sense, um, but it is what it is, and you know, part of that silliness, like we said, is the is the endearing quality of these games. Um, but speaking more about these games at large, um, and talking a little bit about series context, um, MGS four is the end of this kind of timeline. Um, as far as, um, solid snake goes, uh, there's revengeance takes place after this, right? Yeah. Was survive canon? No, no. So forget it. Um, I haven't played revengeance yet. I might eventually poorly received, but, uh, man try it out it,
1: it was it's it's fun yeah it's mindless it's like quick campaign so. so
0: taking into account uh all of the canon uh mainline metal gear solid uh entries what's your ranking for those i don't even know um so what's like your top one uh, it's so hard
1: <laughs> you're one of those people it it, it, it is because i can't explain because I mean, I, I, as far as story goes, I would pick Metal Gear Solid One as my favorite. Uh huh. As far as gameplay, uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. Right. Um, you know, to me, Metal Gear Solid Four has a really amazing story, and it's probably like the best gameplay. Um, compared to, like, 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. It probably takes the best aspects of those and, like, does it very well. But 5 just, like, blew every stealth game out of the water. Uh-huh. And, but, you know, I would consider 1 the best if, like, I want to play, like, a tank control PS1 game, you know? So it's, it's all over the place yeah. with... I mean, In you quality. can play Twin
0: Snakes if you if you combine the original PS One uh, and then Twin Snakes into one entry,
1: and that's true too. So that's why I, I do want to say Twin Snakes might be my favorite because I, I get the best of both worlds. And mm-hmm. with that one, you know, I get you know the st- most of the st- yeah pretty much intact uh, story of the PS One game and the gameplay of uh, MGS Two, and I love the gameplay of MGS Two. Mm-hmm. Um, MGS Three might be my least favorite though, just because. That that one has like extremely tedious gameplay, yeah. That I don't want to like replay through any of that, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and the story, like everything with the boss, yes. In Metal Gear Solid Three is like some of the best like writing in that whole series, yeah. Completely agree. But the rest of the story, besides that, in Metal Gear Solid Three, is just kind of eh.
0: like the Volgan stuff and like the the what was uh, the Cobra unit, yeah. It was just like, like the Fury was like why. I don't understand what like your 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 stick is some of these characters, you know, yeah, like how did you get bees in your face uh so my ranking is one, two, four, five, three, and then peacewalker uh where would you put peacewalker
1: pro- you know what actually my put peacewalker last, yeah, um yeah, I don't. <laughs>
0: Once you play five, you're like, "Why did I play Peace Walker?"
1: Yeah, I know. That's exactly how I feel about Peace Walker. Story
0: Peacewater. is okay in Peace Walker. The story
1: is okay in Peace yeah. Walker. Um, it fills in the gaps between like three and five, so it's yeah. necessary. But it's just like a. It feels like it plays like a PSP game,
0: right? So, so the thing that I like is one just feels really concise. It's it it feels like a standalone game, um, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate about it. I think it's it's very well acted. I think it while it does have silly things in it. Um, I think that it's not like over the top. Um, I don't think it tries to impress you with its weirdness. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, so I really appreciate one. Um, and again, the twin snakes version, if you want to get around the, the controls and the, the aesthetics of the original PS one version, highly recommend twin snakes minus the change in some of the voice acting. Um, I like the voice acting in the original PS one. And I will say that's for nostalgic reasons. Okay, that's good,
1: because yeah. I was about to say... No, I'm kidding.
0: Um, <laughs> Were you about to go mailing on me? No, nah, I wasn't. Oh, oh, it's okay. called? It isn't... I mean... I do... Yeah,
1: I... I I think objectively a lot of the voice acting is better uh from the PS1 version. Uh-huh. um I don't really care about the accents that much. Um only because the Metal Gear Solid 4 and like none of those characters like uh Mei Ling or right. Naomi Campbell don't have accents in 4. So Twin Snakes is actually a little bit more more canon, uh, canon and a yeah. little bit more consistent with the Yeah. I just I characters.
0: played uh the PS1 version before Twin Snakes. Uh so those are the the versions of the characters that are in my head. So when I play Twin Snakes, I'm like, that's not what Liquid sounds like. But it's a very minor thing. I think Twin Twin Snakes is still a very playable version of that game. Um, 2, I like a lot. I think 2 has a great, great story. A little disappointing that you have to play as Raiden so much, but I kind of got over that. Yeah,
1: I got over that too, but I honestly think 2 might almost be my favorite just because i really like the gameplay for two
0: uh-huh um story is fantastic in two yeah and like
1: when you're playing two and like you're playing a snake on the tanger mission like this is like the best game i've ever played and, <laughs> I mean, and then
0: you play as like right and you're like oh the rest of the game's like this i remember the first time i played that and i was like snake's gotta come back right gotta yeah. come back and you beat the last boss and you're like he didn't come back
1: yeah i mean he's there he's in the he's story he's not playable yeah but he's not playable no. but um yeah, that's like two two might have been my favorite if maybe Snake was all a little in bit more playable. Yeah. But um it
0: was a time when two was my favorite.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. But I mean two has so much more going for it that uh that I don't hate that one. I actually love that one a lot too, because yeah. there's so much more that has going for it. Yeah. Um, Some great stuff in it.
0: Yeah. Um and then so yeah, one, two, four. I really liked four. When I finished four the first time, it was my second favorite MGS. Oh, nice. Um and it kind of faded a little bit and I think that's an important kind of a thing if you're gonna be uh you know critical about it let 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 criticism have its time to do its thing, um and kind of settle into place. So now it's my third favorite. Then five, I think five's uh gameplay is fantastic. I have a lot of fun playing that game. I just think the story is really weak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely weaker than three, which kind of pains me to put three below five but i find so many elements of 3 make it kind of not fun to play at all um and so like you were kind of getting to there's kind of this balance between like in the great story and then yeah, the it's, gameplay it's almost always a trade off yeah like um 4 was 4 is a great 4 is a, a
1: great uh balance of all yeah. those things i think though and
0: you were hinting at that
1: yeah cuz uh cuz 4 i think has the best like streamline gameplay of like two, like what made two and three really great. Mm -hmm. Like in three, I mean, you had the camel and like the camouflage thing was cool in theory, but like in practice, it's like, Oh, I got to go into the menu and like open this stuff up. And then pick the camo and see what fits in the index. This is really that. tedious. But then in four, you just have like a, a suit that just like automatically blends into whatever you stick to, and I'm like, that's amazing.
0: Right, and you still kind of got to be tactical with it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not it's not game breaking, which I was happy to discover.
1: Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. in four, also, um, things like aiming, and like uh, sticking to walls, uh, but... crawling on the, being able to crawl on the floor, or being able to um, have crouch. Um, walk was like new. Uh, you know, you didn't,
0: there was no crouch walking and
1: there wasn't, it wasn't in two. I'm pretty sure it wasn't in three either. Huh? Um, I, I think, I don't know. That's pretty, I don't know now, but it it definitely wasn't in two. Okay. But crouch walking is like super key. Like, um, in a lot of stealth games Hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, like four added that too. um, four has a ton of weapons. Um, So 4 takes a lot of what made like 2 and 3 great, and the first one also. Yeah, Um,
0: I agree. So there's a question here about exclusives, sizable question. Uh, This is from Ident Invalid, who said, 4 reminded me of 2 in terms of hype, but outside of memes, seems to have gotten a worse treatment afterwards, a cold shoulder and forgotten. This is the only game in the Solid series not to see release on other platforms. Did that hurt it or does it deserve it? I didn't own a PS3 and wanted to play it. Although not a Sony IP, we know how exclusives work like federal highway bills. Do as we say or no money. And the format wars between Blu-ray and HD DVD were ongoing. Maybe worth multi-platform release at the cost of more discs. Um, so I found a little bit of this uh, in what I read today. Um and kind of what we mentioned earlier about, they were thinking about going to multiple discs. Um, and they were saying if they had gone to multiple discs, that would have been a big argument to have also gone to multi-plat, um, because then they could kind of get a little bit of their money back from the extra expenditure of multiple discs, which is an interesting idea. Um, but talking about exclusivity, like you brought up earlier, uh, this was on a disc type that couldn't be played on the three hundred and sixty, right? That kind of solves it right there. Then. Yeah. Um. Terms. Of,
1: there was something the that person was talking about where, um, like, would it be appreciated more if it could be ported because it's one of the few Metal Gears that haven't uh, been ported,
0: right? He said the the only yeah Metal Gear Solid yeah. One has not been ported to um, Xbox. Right. It only had Twin Snakes was technically a remake, not a port then. Because uh, Twin Snakes was on GameCube. Oh, I would consider true. Well, that to be it... a remake, not a port.
1: Oh, that's true, huh? Yeah. I didn't even think about that as like a... Well... Well, because I was just thinking like between Xbox and PlayStation. That's what I was like referring right. to. Because um, right, right. Metal Gear Solid 1 and Metal Gear Solid 4 are the only mainline Metal Gear, Metal Gear games that haven't been to Xbox, okay, is what I meant. Um, disregarding Twin Snakes, which um, could or couldn't count. Um, I don't know if um, Metal Gear Solid 4 would have been more appreciated if or well received if um, or more popular even if it was on Xbox. Um, I don't think a lot of people uh, who own an Xbox buy it specifically to play Metal Gear Solid, you know.
0: Um, it seemed like a Sony IP. Yeah, well even though like you say, it's not specifically a Sony IP. Yeah.
1: And even then like I do agree that I don't think Metal Gear Solid 4 is uh, appreciated enough in the canon of the series cuz I mean people love to I mean as much as we fans of the series like kind of will bring up 4, but I mean it, or like the general public too, like the general gaming public anytime 4 is brought up, they just talk about how long the cutscenes are. Mm. Like that's all they could ever like say about it or joke mm-hmm. about it. I'm just like, come it on. It
0: seems that generally three is more loved than four.
1: Yeah, I think a lot more people actually like three more than uh than four. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, which is crazy to me because I think four is uh, superior to three. Me too. Yeah. And so,
0: um, I think that um, you know, four has a lot of heavy lifting to do. I think that's a problem with it too.
1: Um, which I mean, I think four. Is a Metal Gear Solid for Metal Gear Solid fans? Um, yeah, because you're right. Four has a lot of heavy lifting. Imagine
0: playing Metal Gear Solid Four without playing any previous Metal Gear.
1: Yeah, game. exactly. And I, I do think that's the issue with Four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you could play th- Three is better in the sense that you can go into that game completely never playing any of the first games
0: as a prequel. Yeah, it's a prequel. It definitely, it it seems to stand on its own two legs.
1: And so, um,
0: Four like spends an hour explaining like all this stuff that's been building for the past 30 years.
1: But yeah, as a fan of the series, I think 4 is one of the best games in that series just because how well it integrates like almost everything from every single Metal Gear Solid game. Like you wouldn't think uh, that somehow they'd integrate like the sorrow from Metal Gear Solid 3 right, into like the current timeline uh, from like 1964 to 2014. Yeah. And, um,
0: it had a lot of loose ends to tie up. And then even that, a lot of things to address from the past games.
1: Yeah, time. exactly.
0: So, uh, I think when I first finished it, one of the things that you and I were talking about was how well it handled, um, all of these threads and, and tying up, you know, characters, plot lines and things like that. Um, I think that, uh, it does a handy job of concluding everything, yeah. But I think it does it in an overly cumbersome way. It kind of has to, though. I mean, like the whole series is super like
1: cumbersome. kind of.
0: There's a couple. There's a couple big cutscenes that were after he's talking to Big Mama, uh, and then later in the game, uh, where it seems like they over-explain um a few things, like how yeah. the Patriots came to be. Uh, the relationship between Big Boss and Zero, uh, and that tendency, that temptation, rather, to over-explain is, I, I think, a a storyteller's vice, um, and that temptation is probably so strong for a series that has so much to explain as well. So it's not something that I frown down upon necessarily, um, but I think that it's one of that It's one of the weaker elements of this game's kind of exposition, I think. Even though I think it's it capably concludes this series, at the same time, like I was reading, like I'm reading through bits of plot and things like the silliness that I mentioned earlier, and people were saying like, yeah, the the Patriots were basically this, and they could explain it in a in a sentence, and I wonder if Kojima could explain the Patriots in a sentence. Probably not. Probably not. Right and and so I think that's the there's that tendency to over explain that's that's inherent in four. It's not the worst thing in the world, um, considering it you know how much it had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is I think part of its, uh, what would you say, inefficiency or ineffectiveness? Yeah, I agree. I I could see.
1: I mean, cause I mean, I'm a I love watching movies, and one of my least favorite thing in movies is like over exposition. Yeah. Uh, like a lot I love you know Nolan movies. Um, not my favorite filmmaker, but I love his movies. He's very um, unique. But uh, one of his big issues is like uh, a lot of expository dialogue. Yeah, and it's funny that Metal Gear Solid is one of my favorite <laughs> video game series because there is so much exposition in these games. But it's just that to me, uh, video games and films are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, in a video game, I think you have more room to explain a lot because um, you are building this big universe. Um, you know, it's not just a story. It's you're explaining a lot of history.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that, um, you know, one of the benefits of this game and this series too, is it has characters that are likable. Um, so when they, you know, do the Nolan equivalent of pulling out a piece of paper and driving a pencil through it to explain what wormholes are, uh, you kind of, you kind of don't mind too much. Um and two you're looking at great great visuals so yeah. like when they, in Metal Gear Solid Four I didn't mind when there's a huge long expository scene because I get to see all like the great you know uh that that really stark character art um by who's the artist for Metal Gear Solid uh, Yoji Shinkawa yeah fantastic movie, yeah right and the way that they integrated that in the cutscenes and you cut have all the the lights and the flashbacks and the the things like that. And it's interesting to look at, at least, while the character is kind of over-explaining. Um, but I appreciate that reference to Nolan. I was actually talking with somebody today about that on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I think that you can get r- these really great visionary creators. Um, Kojima, Nolan. They have these very strong traits. Um, but they might have that Achilles heel. And for some of them, it's over-exposition. It's over-explaining Uh, some of these things. But um, just to comment back on the exclusives thing that we were talking about, um, I think exclusives are great. Exclusives like this, for instance, was designed around, um, like we said earlier, the 50 gig Blu-ray, dual layer Blu-ray. And even then, Kojima was saying it was too small. Uh, It was not enough space. So, And they had to make compromises with the content is what I read. Um, but that means that this game was p- specifically designed for that, that uh, format. And that could only be played then on the PS3. And so the product that we have is a product that's specifically designed to be exclusive. And so that enf- that informs its strengths and it also informs its weaknesses. Now, We don't know what the game would be like if it was multi-platform. But we can rest assured that it would not be the exact same game were a multi-platform. And I think that that's something that I've attempted to make a point with a variety of people talking about exclusives over time. My opinion is exclusives are great. They sell systems. They're memorable. Um, MGS4 is is remembered, in a sense, for its long cutscenes, and those long cutscenes are part of its format, uh, enabled by its format. But... um, You know, a lot of people stand on the other side and they say uh, exclusives aren't great. Exclusives are bad or exclusives are um, things that only corporate greed is interested in. And uh, everything should be multi-platform, but I disagree. This is from Dibble1987 who asked, What was your reaction to Kojima making Snake old in this game? Well, I started
1: playing the Metal Gear Solid series after uh, 4 had already come out. Um, oh, okay. So, so I played the first one, and then the second, and then the third, and then um, and then I think Peace Walker. Um, so... I think I had already seen snake as an old guy like around before, like just online. Yeah. Um, and so I was just, um, I don't know if I ever thought much about it cause I didn't know who Solid snake was. Uh, uh-huh. um, but I remember playing the first, the second, the third and the fourth and peace Walker. Um, but when I got to the fourth one, um, it didn't hit me that he got old. I just like, you know, I played all these games like back to back, you know? And so I just kind of went straight into it. I had no time to, uh and just why he or think of why he was old i'm like oh he's just old now i'm like i just i kind of wonder why yeah and and, you kind
0: of thought without knowing anything about like the timeline of the game you probably uh, just thought oh this is just in the future i kind of thought yeah yeah maybe at first i was thinking like is this like how far into the future is
1: this Or like why is he so old? and then years and now, then you like, like years. <laughs> and then you see autocon just like looking young and i was like oh like why is he so old and they you know they obviously go into later on into the um the game but um, it made me kind of sad too. I'm just like, oh man i I love playing one and two so much. Uh, I love Solid Snake became like quickly became like my favorite character ever and just to see him like just
0: <laughs> re- <laughs> this. Infirm, <laughs> infirm. <laughs> yeah, there's a part where he he has to strip so Doctor Naomi Hunter can examine him. Yeah, and she's just like horrified. <laughs> I was, I was, like, was too so sad. This is
1: sad. Yeah, it was like it made me sad mostly. I was just like I care about this character, and
0: like this is just kind of sad. Now you know what's mind blowing to me is there's only been two games where you fully play as Solid Snake. One and four. Two, you play as Raiden most of the time. Three, you're playing as Naked Snake. Five, you're playing as Venom Snake. Peace Walker, you're playing as Big Boss. And uh, the character is so iconic and widely beloved, but there's not a lot of him in this series, if you think about it. Yeah, that you play as, yeah. And then by the time you play as him in four again, he's over the hill, Mm -hmm. So, which is crazy. You get to play him in his prime once. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. And <laughs> it was in the original game. Well, I mean, I guess if we're talking about the Solid series and not Metal Gear 1 and 2. Yeah, you play as him in those yeah, too. But yeah. nobody cares about those. <laughs> <us. laughs> uh, this is from Umbral Ice. As much as I enjoyed MGS4, would it be better as a movie? No. No? What do you, Why?
1: No, I don't know. This, this, this uh, A lot of people would like to describe this. Oh, this is like a movie video game. It's not
0: a movie. Well, I mean, do you think that it could have conveyed itself told its story better as a movie rather than a game. What is it about being a game that makes this a better,
1: I, I think with video games as a medium, I'm a lot more open to um, exposition
0: uh-huh or I mean, like you were mentioning, like i was yeah. mentioning
1: earlier like even like games like final fantasy 7 have like a ton of exposition and all that yeah i think it's much easier to digest in a video game than you would in a movie mm-hmm. and so there's like so much information so much world building that goes on i mean like you could it might be better to ask like would this be better as a maybe like as a tv series mm-hmm. but even then i don't think it would be a very good tv series either Yeah. um i think this is best as a video game like the plot And exposition and world-building feel very video game-esque to me.
0: So I want to say that an important thing about it being a video game is you get to be Solid Snake or Big Boss. Yeah. You get to do the sneaking around. You get to do the takedowns. So in a sense, you're building that legendary icon yourself by doing all of these activities and getting better at them and affecting the world around you through that interaction. Um, one of the scenes that I mentioned earlier when you're crawling through the radioactive hall, I think it was radio waves, can't remember, um, or microwaves hmm. uh, through the microwave. Um, and you have to tap the button. Something like that is irritating to me in one sense. and at the same time, I realize it's a it's an easy way for me to suffer with the character rather than just me viewing the character on the screen, I actually have to exert my energy to make them suffer and pass through that suffering. And so in that sense, I'm more, um, I'm closer to their heart. I'm closer to their experience rather than me watching a- an actor do it alone because I'm putting my own energy into it. And
1: with snake too, I mean, especially in like the first well, in all of them, uh, he's learning so much information at like at the same time that you are and so in that sense you like yeah you get to be snake you get to learn a lot of this stuff and so even things like the codec conversations i'm like that would not translate well to like a movie
0: no that's true yeah
1: even stuff like codecs and there's a codex and four aren't the same as they were like in the first three um but they're there there's like a lot of talk between like Otacon and snake that happened. Like, you know, it feels like you're actually talking to someone over a radio almost. Um, and so that you couldn't really put that like in a, in a movie or yeah. a TV series.
0: And the way that this game world builds is through a lot of those minor conversations mm, yeah. mm-hmm. too. So like you could not, you could not have a character talk for five minutes about a boss's backstory after you killed them. If yeah. that happened in a movie, you know? Just be like every time like the you defeat every time the hero defeats a villain it's like somebody calls up and then the movie stops and you're essentially yeah. fed all this information um, yeah
1: I think that's the difference between movies and video games and even like a TV series is that video games have opportunities to like be able to stop itself mm-hmm. and like uh, be able to like kind of pull you out for a quick minute and tell you something else and then like kind of put you back into it yeah which video games do a lot definitely.
0: This is from Morales Sai, who said, I have a question. MGS4 was a good AAA game, in my opinion. The hardest difficulty could be beat in under six hours, excluding cutscenes and loading. Do you think AAA games can still garner as much success today like they used to, if they were 15 hours or less? So a question then about uh, the length of AAA games, and um, this is something that people chat about, and I run into conversations like this all the time. The like do triple a games have to justify a certain play time for their their price tag
1: i think if a game's good people just play it uh yeah. i mean I'd, i mean hmm, i can't speak for a game like a uh, god of war or like a uh, last of us and uncharted like those are uh, very story-based games and they're not very long mm-hmm. they're not open world games um you know they have like they're a lot like Metal Gear Solid 4, and they're just kind of like a straight story, you know, there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of, very linear, very linear, yeah, thank you. Um, So I think, there's still a lot of space for those kinds of games, you know, Uh, not every game is a big open world game, Mm -hmm. with like, like hours and hours of content in it. Um,
0: Variety. Variety. You know, Uh, not every game, thank goodness, not every game is a hundred hour game.
1: Yeah, which, right. yeah, I'm glad not every game is that much right. either.
0: When you have time for it, when you have the stomach for it and the taste for it, then great, those games are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, in my life, I've attended to recently be attracted to shorter games because I have so many games to play. Because I want to talk about all these games and podcasts and writing and things like that, so I like the indie scene. I like the double A scene, whatever you want to call it, the single A scene. I, I like the the point the 0.5 A scene. I like all these short games that um, that you can beat manageably. You can you can finish um, that are digestible in that sense, and that to me is one of the interesting things of revisiting retro gaming and kind of discovering new games. Um, You know, if I, if I start playing a new super Nintendo game that I've never played before, I know that it's not, you know, a game I'm going to pour a hundred hours into because of its, its format, because of its era. Um, So I like that. And I was thinking when, when uh, Morales, I mentioned this question, about um MGS four, you know, being beatable in under six hours if you exclude the cutscenes. I was like, man, a triple A game on the NES, Mega Man 2, you beat that in what? Like three hours, four hours? That was at that time, you know, a mainline game uh that people prayed paid a mainline price for and it was it was super short. But I think today, with all of the expectations of open world games, of side quests, of DLC and filler and so much, um, that there there is, I think, an unspoken um, expectation about length of games. But I think, like you said, if the game's good, people like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's like a
1: secret formula for like length or content or if like a game's good, it, it
0: just gets popular, you know, yep, word of mouth. Ah, uh, so characters. Um, I think an interesting question is: is li- is Liquid Ocelot a hero? You consider Liquid Ocelot a hero? No. Now, why? He's because <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this before, so I already know your answer, but I I want to hear. You yeah, say no, it. he he's
1: uh, he's not a hero. He he tortures people.
0: <laughs> <But> like <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, heroes don't torture people for his- Joel. They
1: don't. <laughs> For his own like uh, sexual gratification, I feel. Oh, I would put that in there honestly. Like, yeah, I guess Kojima. he
0: get he yeah he gets off on like. I kind of feel like he does. People. He's definitely a very sadistic. Yeah, uh, and they kind of toned him down in five. You know, like mm-hmm. he's this friendly cowboy. How y'all doing? Howdy man? y'all. Howdy howdy howdy. But in uh, in one he's like a monster. Yeah, like a horrible horrible person um so it, now it bears unpacking why would anybody consider liquid ocelot a hero and this is a question that i ran to yeah. a couple times but uh his motivation in this is one of the other things with mgs4 it seems like it's overly complex when really when you get to the bottom of it it's essentially very simple that liquid ocelot does all of these things you know he he gains control ...of all the nanomachines so he can shut down every gun on the planet... ...and he grafts an arm from Liquid Snake to himself... ...and he hypnotizes himself so he actually thinks that he's Liquid Snake... ...or channeling the freaking spirit of Liquid Snake or some crap... ...and it's all just because he really liked Big Boss... ...and wanted to see Big Boss's dream of Outer Heaven come to fruition... Like all of these these details that stack up to a stack that reaches the heavens, uh, is because the dude likes Big Boss and wanted to do what Big Boss wanted to do.
1: Yeah, and so in that sense, because if you like Big Boss and you think, I mean, it's not a, it's not an um a weird question to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, just because if you consider like what Ocelot was trying to, he was trying to bring down the system, right? Um as well but you know for the reasons that you think it's not the best reasons you know because even because he's using big boss's vision of like you know a, a military nation right uh, of like outer heaven
0: which was it this game that already goes to explain that both big boss and and zero misinterpreted yeah this g- boss as well yeah okay. yeah this game so we know that it's a slightly skewed thing now a question that i had when i finished the game is well, what would have happened if Liquid Ocelot had succeeded? It would have been the end of the Patriots, which is, that's what we wanted. Mm-hmm. But it also would have meant the end of human civilization. Right. Because he was taking down, he was throwing out the baby and the bathwater. He was taking down the Patriots and, like, technology. <laughs> yeah. So, and he, in a sense, then would have made soldiers, like, the ultimate force. Yeah. Right of these highly skilled warriors on like a, like a, a wasteland feudal planet or something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. So then the, the shred of heroism that does happen is Sonny is able to manufacture at eight years old, somehow manufacture, uh, you know, a variant of the virus, right. That um, mm-hmm. takes down the Patriots, but also preserves civilization. Right. So, uh, I, I suppose a step back from this question is Is Liquid Ocelot a hero? Is is Big Boss a hero? I, well, what do you think? That's a super complicated question. <laughs> so, Whereas um, you have to say when, right?
1: When was he a hero? I guess in three he was he was a hero. He was kind of as a just hero. like a
0: pawn of like a government. I mean, like then
1: you. I mean, but the then light. like you could even go back to is so like Solid Snake a hero because he was a pawn in the first one too. Yeah, I mean um, he did stop terrorists. He did stop terrorists. Well, he did stop Big Boss. Stop Naked Snake. stopped terrorists in three. Also, he also
0: stopped like a a, a scapegoat. True. Yeah, I don't know. It's a complicated question, right? Well, you mm-hmm. know, what? Apple says that Snake's a hero. So that's true that's enough <laughs> but while i'm playing through uh, metal gear solid 5 and as i played through peace walker just before that i was thinking that big boss is crazy yeah he is uh he's and there's there's moments where i'm like you cannot do this i mean you can't there, there's a moment in so I mean the whole thing of like building Outer Haven, like oh I will just kidnap people and then ask them if they want to work for us because I'm big boss and everybody likes me. I'm a famous warrior, right? And then, uh, he rescues, quote unquote, rescues, uh, uh women in in Peace Walker and Kazehiro Miller is like, all right, I was like, you basically just kidnapped a woman and sent her to an off shore site that's crowded with with with
1: mercenaries
0: male mercenaries who are very happy to get a female mercenary there i was just like this is not like how do you how do you resolve anything like what is your judicial system yeah when they capture uh huey in mgs5 and i haven't beaten mgs5 yet but when they capture him they just start torturing him and like there's no there's no there's no trial. There's no, we're going to keep you here for this period of time. There's just, we caught you. We're going to torture you until you tell us what we want to hear. And I was Like what? Or then he, he, he rescues the child soldiers and, and, you know, he brings them back and like causes like, all we know is war. And he's like, yep. And that's it. And then they just like, we're just going to edit. We're going to educate kids on our own private, like offshore country. Uh, that had a nuke at one point and is filled with a bunch of, like, mercenaries that he's never met, that he just met once on the battlefield and decided to capture and come work for him. Who's going to educate those kids? What's their future going to be like? How do they get reintegrated into their culture? What happens to their culture? Does he, like, wh- Like everybody speaks English in Outer Haven? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, such a bad idea.
1: Yeah, Big Boss is... He's not...
0: He's not all there. He's
1: not all there. No.
0: Uh,
1: not the best idea.
0: There's moments when I'm playing these games, I was like, I would not do this. I don't want to do this right now. I don't. But I have to because that's how you advance. That's the how you game. play video yeah. game. Is Big Boss a hero? Let us know. A couple comments here. This is from Slide Bob, who said, I played MGS four months ago, and my favorite character is Drebin with his peeing monkey, which I didn't find funny, but I enjoyed Drebin's words. This is from Severing Faith, who said, Ride in is awesome. I loved going to Shadow Moses and the callback to the first game, like Psychomantis, and the memory card and the cards needed for the doors in the facility and the ending made me cry. Uh, it's an emotional ending. Um, but characters getting past Big Boss and, and Liquid Ocelot and all that jazz. Uh, who are some of your favorite and some of your least favorite characters in this game?
1: Uh, my favorite characters are for sure uh, Solid Snake and uh, Otacon. A uh, good old Otacon. Um yeah, I love Otacon. Uh they, they they're probably my f- two favorite characters, you know. Sna- Snake throughout the whole Solid Snake throughout the whole series has been my favorite character. Um he's just so complex, but you know, he he's someone who I I remember this I talked about this in our Metal Gear Solid 1 podcast where he, you know, he he's someone who feels like his fate is controlled and he still tries to do the right thing you know but he often feels like you know, he's being used for like um for to do things that he really doesn't want to do you know but he's good at it and you know con at the same time um he's a really smart guy but he, he has a lot of heart where he 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 wants to create things but they're often taken you know t- to be these like war machines or, um, you know, with technology becoming like used for war and for killing and that kind of thing. And so, Otacon has a lot of complexity to him, too. And, uh, him and Snake taking the initiative to try and stop all of it, like in Middle Gear Solid 2, you know, shows that, you know, all oh, they're departing a lot from, you know, their. You know, Huey Amrick and Big Boss, you know, they're very different in that sense. They have much more of a conscience and yeah. they, they let, um, philanthropy, you know, quotation marks and guide guide their, um, their decision-making and what they do. Um, I like seeing Solid Snake's, uh, arc in this game. Um, I think it's a very good ending to him. Uh, making him old made me really sad. Um... And it gave him like just a, such a sad ending, but it makes you think too. like what what other life could he really live, you know? And so most of his life is like behind a gun, and mm-hmm. so um, I like at the end of the game, like Otakon just kind of says, you know, with, with little time he has left, he's just gonna kind of just rest and just enjoy it, you know. And so I, I don't even know
0: how long he has left at the end of the game, but um, I like that they didn't tell you yeah i like like that that you don't uh, don't see his final moments yeah i like it reminded me of when naomi says to just live at the end of metal gear solid one um and we don't know what that looks like that's not a game that's not a story that's just yeah his life
1: yeah totally and so um and autocon too i don't know what he does uh, after that series but um after the, end of the he series?
0: say that he's just going to be there until his final days to like record what happened
1: oh, that's right, that huh, so okay, so he's going to be you know with snake in his final days too, so um but then uh, you know he keeps living after that too right, after snake course. passes so I'm not hopefully
0: sure. hopefully a dude finds love
1: yeah, that's too yeah, like in <laughs> <laughs> every single game he's in, you know, he, he has some kind of heartbreak, um, yeah
2: you Look, believe that love blooms s- on the
1: battlefield well someone he cares about that like ends up dying um
0: these are cursed characters. Yeah. Snake and, and Otacon, I think that, uh, the sins of the father is a theme of the Metal Gear Solid series. Um, we were talking about it before. I think it's, it's kind of like star Wars in a sense of, um, there's a very strong emphasis of like lineage is, is really important. Heritage is really important. Legacy is really important. And, uh, Otacon and snake are living under the shadows of their fathers and their father's mistakes. Um, and trying to rectify those things in their own way, but the things that they do aren't always the right things or don't always have the most positive outcomes as well. Um, and in, in snake, I mean, you get the sense that he is a weapon. He was created as a weapon, um, and he doesn't have a life beyond that. Um, and I mean, if the game is an anti-war game, you're literally playing as a weapon the whole time. Uh, so it's a very strong kind of a kind of a, a statement to make by this game. But uh, in that sense too, I
1: think um, that's interesting that Snake even gets to like live any kind of life besides that because like that's what he was made for. He he is a weapon, mm-hmm. and like the fact that he gets to live a- any amount of time just normally is uh, it's a beautiful thing yeah Cause, um,
0: Cause he barely had a little bit of that before mgs1 where yeah. he's like in alaska mm-hmm. training like dogs and stuff like that yeah so. and so
1: even like that the fact that he even gets to do any of that is you know it's so good thing for him
0: and so you see a shadow of that and and like i want to echo for a second it did make me also very sad to not just see him old but like get infirm over the course of the game and like not be there at the at the ending during the celebration of Meryl's like wedding and things yeah. like that. I was like, I wish Snake was here, and I wish that Snake and Meryl had gotten together because darn it, that's what I wanted way back in MGS one. When this one, "Kiss Me, I'm Old," and she's like, "No, no, I'm she's gonna like, fall in Ew. love with Diarrhea Boy instead." Uh, uh, but before we talk about Johnny, <laughs> I wanted to say that um, Raiden is great uh Raiden like we mentioned in MGS2 is something that we both got over eventually Mm -hmm. Raiden you know becomes his own character and has his own background I think some of the things that uh about Raiden that we learn in MGS2 is really fascinating and this one at first I was like okay so they just you know it was like Kojima read a fan letter they're like Raiden kind of sucks dude he's like oh I'll fix that and he just made him like a cyborg ninja. just like out of nowhere. Um, but I see kind of like a parallel between Raiden and Snake as I'm playing this. Raiden gets reunite with his family at the end. Mm-hmm. Raiden gets to become as close as he can to human at the end. Raiden is convinced that he's a monster. Um, but uh, love kind of pulls him out of that. And that's something that Snake doesn't really get to have. Um, but that to me was the most emotional scene in this game was Raiden reuniting with Rose and then meeting his son, um, uh, for the first time after this. Cause you were told that, you know, Rose and Colonel Campbell had gone together, um, when that wasn't actually the truth. It was, it was something to conceal, um, the truth from the Patriots.
1: Yeah. I love, uh, I love Arden's arc in this game. Yeah. Um, I think making him like cuz you think about how 1 has the cyborg ninja character, 2 has the cyborg ninja character, and then 4 has to have that trope almost again. Uh-huh. I'm glad they made it right in. Yeah, it makes sense. Rather to than me.
0: any other character, it does make sense to me. It does
1: make it sense again. to make right in the cyborg ninja trope in this game. Um, especially from what you learn about his past. It made so much sense to me when he was an cyborg ninja. I'm like, "Oh, this makes so much sense to me that he is this, you know, and that he um one of his first missions, I think is like, he saves Sonny from the Patriots. And so, um, part of how he's trying to fight against that system that controlled him in two is by becoming this, you know, a weapon again, you know, um, and but I do love his arc at the end, you know, because he's just like Snake, but in that sense, he he gets much more humanity, because mm-hmm. he wasn't created to be a weapon. He you know he he's he was born, yeah. he, he was born like an actual person, even though he was a child soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was born you know naturally, and that wasn't his fate. Um, but yeah, uh, Raiden's great in this game. A little over the top sometimes. Some of his uh, dialogue, I yeah. like the way he talks. Um, yeah, the like super edge lord
0: yeah <laughs> that was the gist that i got at first i was like all right but uh i do love writing a lot in this the uh, weird coolness factor when you're telling stories but can be it could be pretty cool yeah. at the same time uh how about a least favorite character oh my god definitely johnny johnny oh is my god the worst character in the metal gear solid series
1: yeah i agree honestly the the worst aspect of this whole series might be the whole uh romance between johnny and meryl Mm -hmm. like you know that scene at the end when uh, in outer haven when they're taking down uh psycho not psycho mantis um
0: oh uh the the mantis weeping not weeping mantis Uh, screaming mantis screaming mantis they're
1: taking down the screaming mantis uh, troops and they're and Meryl's talking about how she wants to get married and like Johnny's like talking about how he's been in love with her this whole time oh yeah I'm like this is that sucks sucks." that scene sucks and I'm like (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm used to like stupid stuff in this series, but I'm like, this is this is just too stupid. I'm reading
0: like, magazines and stuff like that all the time. I'm like,
1: this yeah. is this is too stupid. And then when they got married, I was like, oh,
0: like, it physically hurt me yeah. to watch her get married <laughs> to this guy. And I'm like, yeah. don't marry. Me. <laughs> what especially is since, wrong with you? Especially since I had a crush on Meryl. Yeah. In the first game. And then also, I'm like, dude, this is a great character. Meryl's a great character. You are a game. strong. You are a strong person. You are, you're independent. You have things that you want. You have this, you know, this dynamic with your, your, uh, with the Colonel that, you know, we don't know all this stuff is going on is revealed in the end. I love that moment when she's in her wedding dress and she turns around and the colonel's standing there and there, you know, she kind of overcomes that animosity between them. I was like, such a great character moment. And then she has to go and marry the worst character. It was almost like, to me, it was almost like Kojima was just like, you thought that the, you know, I want to see what I can get away with. And I remember in Metal Gear Solid 3 when you're climbing that ladder for two minutes and it plays a song, um, the the infinite ladder sequence, right? You're making that face. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. We climb the ladder and then we just three. When I played that moment in MGS3, I was like, he just wanted to see what he could get away with, I think. Like, pushing boundaries. Uh, that, to me, seemed like the Johnny and, and Merrill thing. He just wanted to see if he could get away with it. I don't think he did. I don't know. Well, because, I mean, people still love
1: the game. Because, I mean, that's... But I does mean,
0: anybody talk about, like, oh, I love that they... I, I don't
1: know anyone they're... that's ever said that they love that. Neither. I can't think of anyone who... If you do, please let me know (laughs) why you think that was a good idea. I honestly
0: wanna know. I can't think of anything like thematically. I mean, I guess in a sense he's the like anti snake. Yeah, he's the most opposite character from Snake imaginable. Yeah. Like inept, craps his pants all the time, doesn't have the you know, the nano machines, doesn't have the skill or the experience or anything. I'm at I'm at odds if, if to say whether he's even handsome or not.
1: I was surprised that he is kind of like a he has like a pretty boy thing. He has his like lip gloss, yeah, and like long eyelashes. I'm like, like why? Why did you make Johnny
0: hot? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Like why did you try to make him like beautiful? I don't understand. Because Kojima, um, so he's definitely my least favorite character in this game. My yeah. other least favorite character in this game is Vamp. I've never liked Vamp, not even since MGS two. I just I don't like him. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like the way he dresses. I don't like anything about him. I don't like that you could shoot him in the forehead and he's still fine. I don't like the explanation that he's not a real vampire, that's just nano machines. I don't like that he has just like, like a phallic dagger that just is like right there. Oh yeah, in his belt. Like, I don't I don't I hate the uh,
1: you finally be the one to finish me. You just don't like Eastern Europeans, huh?
0: No, I just no, nah, I, I love Eastern Europeans. Uh, well, you're my best friend, and you're an Eastern European. That's true. I'm from Yugoslavia. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't like vamp. Um. I didn't really care for Naomi Hunter that much during this game. Uh, I, I liked she, her a lot more in the first game. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. Um, you know, she's playing. She's kind of. It seems like she's kind of playing both sides, and then they do this big revelation at the end that was just supposed to be this big. Crying thing emotional, but for me, I was just like, Why are you dying right now? Yeah, and I'm like, You could, you know, you could keep like, you could get out of it. You see, helping, yeah, you don't have to like emotionally scar one of the main characters in this game right now,
1: yeah. Like, I get that you
0: have in your vision, you have like sins that you need to atone for, but that doesn't mean that you have to die right now. So, I, I, yeah, I just. there are parts of her arc that I do like. I don't get it?
1: I do like uh, Naomi's goals though. Um, in this game,
0: oh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're noble. They're noble. But how she goes about them, and then yeah. You know. uh, Liquid Ocelot, I think he's a he's a pretty
1: cool villain. I think he's a great villain. Yeah, yeah he's so like a uh, almost vaudeville. Yes. In some aspects, like super, like, like twirly mustache, like moment. You know, I love that
0: part. I know what you're gonna say. Go when ahead. he's on
1: the boat and like he uh, finally gains the uh, control of the system, and uh, he commands all the uh, troops, he has to start shooting, and he does like the finger guns.
0: Yeah. It's like bang, bang, ah. bang, yeah. He's a comic book villain.
1: <laughs> oh my god, yeah, he's yeah. he's fantastic in a lot of parts, and yeah. just uh, also in general throughout the series, he's um he's a really great villain. Just like he's like so sadistic, and you never know where uh, any of his intentions ever lie, like mm-hmm. ever and um just the fact that you okay so one of my favorite aspects of middle gear solid 4 is that they kind of cleverly retcons um middle gear solid 2 one of my least favorite aspects of middle gear solid 2 is the part where you find out he has liquid's arm and he's talking like like liquid and like okay so he's like never bring that up again and they never bring that up again and i'm like in middle gear solid 2 i'm like i thought that was stupid in 4 they kind of retcon is like okay so he doesn't have liquid's arm anymore but um i guess like okay so they bring up the hypnosis thing that he hypnotized himself to be like liquid but i think the only cool aspect about this was a uh, middle gear solid 3 where they bring up that the sorrow is his dad so that um potentially
0: he also- could have been channeling the spirit. yeah the the ocelot mm-hmm. has
1: channeling the spirit of a uh,
0: liquid i'm like okay this is actually kind of cool now the that's the only explanation that works, even because the, cause the hy- hypnosis doesn't work. Yeah, as to how he sounded. Yeah, Liquid Snake, I living on through this arm. And you're like, wait, <laughs> what? I the first time that I heard that in MGS2. I was like, yeah, that's crazy, absolutely crazy. But yeah, so I like that they they kind of fix that in that sense. um And I totally agree. He's he's a kooky cartoon villain. In a lot of moments, after you fight him in Ray, and he turns around, and he's like, "See you, brother!" And like yeah. he's like dashing off. I was like, "What is this guy?" Um, yeah, his old man sunglasses, great character. Um, I guess I like Driven. Yeah, uh, Driven. I'm kind of on the fence. Like I don't hate Driven. I, yeah, I don't know Driven. It's just he's there. I don't like his monkey. I hate the monkey. It doesn't even have a name, does it? I don't
1: remember. I don't know. I don't, I usually don't like, um, like monkeys or chimps and like, like movies or stuff like that. I don't know why people think they're funny, but they're just, yeah, they're just so uninteresting to me.
0: I, I like, uh, I mean, I like his voice acting. Uh, I think Drevin's like a cool dude. I like his voice a lot. Yeah. Uh,
1: but Drevin, uh, I don't know. He almost seems like a function, uh, like a function character, you know, he, he has the driving points and you buy weapons from him and trade it off. And then he also informs you about the BB units. And besides that, I don't
0: you know, he doesn't have much else. Yeah. He's kind of a, he's kind of a narrator. Yeah. Uh, Little gray was the name of his, his monkey. Oh, little gray. I'm glad I know that now. Yeah. Now you do. Uh, Now you can have a name for all those nightmares. (laughs) <laughs> featuring a little gray uh in his weird like underwear um I've always liked colonel Campbell uh since the first game yeah I love colonel Campbell uh, you know he's a shady dude sometimes there's things yeah. that he does where like you shouldn't have did it that way um but I think that he's someone that believes in the right thing even though he has to kind of sacrifice his integrity for it um sacrifice his relationships for the right thing um i think he's he's just he's he's a great character and i love his voice actor fantastic
1: yeah no, he has yeah such a fantastic voice um I, it's kind of the same thing with the uh, naomi where i i like uh campbell more in one and two mm-hmm. um i like i like him a lot in four it's just that he doesn't get a lot of screen time in four yeah um but from what's there i just i like the dynamic between him and meryl a lot, you know. I like that yeah. he gets that kind of resolved, and um, you know, yeah. At first, you think he's kind of like like a little scummy that he married like Ryden's, right? A right? uh, wife. Like I was I was like, I just
0: lost all respect for you. I know. <laughs> I was just like,
1: what? So like, why? Why did he do that? And I'm like, that seems like uncharacteristic. Then when you find out he did that for the right thing, I'm like, see, that's why I like you, Campbell. <sighs> yes.
0: Yeah, and then yeah, when he sees when he sees his daughter, because Merrill is yeah. not his niece, his daughter. That was part of the misinformation that he spread. Mm-hmm. Um to protect her. Yeah. Um, you know, he sees her in the wedding dress, he's just like, You're beautiful. I was like, I'm gonna cry right now. Yeah. It's like you you had to destroy your relationship with your own daughter to protect her. Yeah. That's very heroic, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's 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 a great character. I love Campbell. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the B and B core? So we're looking at, you know, you got Foxhound, you got uh dead cell dead cell thank you that was the one i was blanking out on the cobra unit and the B core and the skulls or whatever in five yeah skulls are at the bottom yeah automatically because i don't know what's going on with like that guy whose face is all like screwed up and he's wearing like a zoro outfit or like a zoro mask like a domino mask with like a sheriff's costume at the same time i just i don't know your stick um I think Foxhound is fantastic.
1: You know what? It's funny. I think uh, like the the enemy, the bosses, in the, the game kind of get progressively worse as each game goes. You talking about? Oh, because I think one has the best unit, you uh-huh. know, Foxhound, and then two has Dead Cell. I love Dead Cell. Um, I think, but Dead Cell is like kind of weak compared to Foxhound. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. only like three of them. Yeah, like and that that's the problem with Dead Cell is that yeah. Like you could have added like Maybe. one or two more in there. Yeah um they're the
0: super they're the legion of doom they're the super villain team they're the sinister six of these games they're fun
1: yeah and then three well i don't know
0: so you know what to be honest i kind
1: of like the cobra Unit a little bit more than Uh, that's what i was gonna
0: say i like fat man i like that fight i think it's interesting to have like a bomb disarmament fight yeah uh i don't like vamp like i said and then you don't even fight fortune yeah, really. So it's kind of like... Eh. Wait,
1: no. I think we had this conversation. You said at first that you liked two Dead Cell more than the Cobra Unit, and then I mentioned, but like, like there's only like yeah, two bus Yeah. So, so okay, so now I'm the one. That's crazy how this twisted. But no, okay, so now okay, so yeah, I would say Cobra Unit, Fox
0: town Cobra Unit, Dead Cell, Dead Cell,
1: and then B and B Unit, B&B Core, yeah. and then uh Skull or the Parasite Unit. Um, but yeah, B ranks low because
0: there's not much to, there's
1: not much to them. They're, they're, they're basically, uh, the Metal Gear Solid one. Like they're kind of, some of them, they're kind of based off like some of the Metal Gear right, Solid one. there's Fox Crying Town.
0: Wolf, Screaming Mantis, yeah. Raging Raven, oh, Laughing Octopus.
1: Yeah, and so they're kind of based off those Foxhound, uh, characters, and you know they all kind of look the same they're wearing like this uh leather outfit these leather outfits and masks and all that and like i, I like that they have you know their unique powers and all that but um and like they just like kind of yell the whole time right and like there's not the only story you find out it's like with the sniper wolf you kind of find out what her her thing's about because she tells it to you with them, like they don't tell you anything. Dryden has to give that to you. Yeah, you are basically just fighting monsters,
0: yeah. and they're there to emphasize the theme of, like, you know, uh, being scarred by war and like the horrors of war and stuff like that. Like I was saying earlier, I think it, at a certain point it becomes so over the top yeah. that uh, it's too much. Um, and that's one thing with with again with developers that are very strong visionaries is they need somebody to say you might want to dial it back a little bit. Yeah. And I think that if they did that with some of these characters, if they'd given them a little more personality than just rage, rage, like constantly like a parrot, right? Then it's, there might've been a little more something to these characters. You do not confuse sexiness for character development. Not the same thing. Okay. They might be, they might have all this coolness factor going for them, but I think they're very weak villains, mm-hmm. um, and thankfully they don't carry this story. They're they're kind of just there for, you know, a challenge. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's not there's just not much to them at all. Um, I didn't even feel sad for them, you know, after after you defeat them and you get the whole sob story and something. on, like that. Well, I mean, have I a did, heart. Okay, I did for the first one because I was like, that's terrible. Second one, I was like, that's also terrible. Third one, yeah. It's terrible, I guess, is the theme of this. Like, something bad happened to them and now they're crazy.
1: Like, ridiculously bad happened. Right. Not
0: just bad, like, ridiculous. Like, I had to eat my own babies bad. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm like, this is. What? Yeah. I mean, I'm getting, like, you're talking about horrors of war. There's some bad things that happen because of war, but. It's almost like this is like a parody, yeah, because like, that. oh, she has to like drink blood and, like, it's go, so just over to stay the top. alive, yeah. and I'm
1: just like, what? no, come on, I know a lot of horrible stuff happens in war, but I don't think anyone does i mean
0: that. it could I'm not saying it's impossible that uh, anybody's ever done it in in our world, uh I mean maybe to survive, <laughs> but uh it's just yeah it's it gets over the top at a certain point, so um, I think the best boss fight in the game is Rex versus Ray. Oh my god! Such
1: like, forget bikinis, dude. The most fan service <laughs> the most fan service this game has ever done was when you get to fight Ray as Rex.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I love that boss fight! Yeah. Uh, so I'd watched a playthrough on this game more closer to its original release, but I'd forgotten a lot of it. And I forgot that part. So when I suited up in Rex, and I was like, "Oh my goodness." That, like you said, this is probably the most fan service y moment in this whole thing. Because that is a dream. Mm-hmm. Since the first game, they're like, I want to control Rex so you get to. And it's so great. I love it. One of, uh, one of the questions that we got here from Barry Teal How did the gameplay of MGS4 function compared to other stealth based games in its generation, like Splinter Cell Conviction or Dishonored? And what makes it stand out between those games? Um so just to kind of you know tail off the end of our conversation here, talking about stealth and uh MGS four. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier that uh I think both of us would agree there's probably the best camo system in the series. Mm-hmm. Um uh MGS five as great as it is doesn't really have a camo system that you can see. No, obviously it has some kind of camo index.
1: Yeah, camo a, algorithm that's it's a, there.
0: It's a hidden mechanic. Right. Yeah. Um, and you don't get to see a number on that. But I love the camo index in this game. Yeah. I love that you can play around with that number and different textures and, you know, face masks and stuff like that. Um, so I have not played Spinner Cell, Conviction, or Dishonored. Um, I haven't played a ton of stealth games. What I compare MGS4 to is things like the Arkham games. Um in which there's a lot of stealth. There was a lot of stealth surprisingly in the Spider Man PS4 game and then the Tenchu games uh back in the day. Um and then sometimes, you know, there's like a shoehorned stealth sequence that's thrown into a game for no reason. Um like Nino Kuni 2, I was playing for the first time the other day. There's like a stealth sequence like right at the beginning. I was like, What? Why <laughs> does it make sense? but i think that mgs4 is is very well equipped for stealth mechanics i think you need to have a specific camera design you need to have specific controls in place because it sucks when a game is like oh you're going to do a stealth mode now um and you don't have that camera system in place and you don't have the controls in place and you're not even sure really what the rules are you know if i step on this thing you know is it going to make a noise or what's like the the distance of vision of like a guard that I'm supposed to avoid, and so I think that MGS4 basing its entire gameplay really around stealth um, sets it apart from from a few.
1: Yeah, I think in in terms of its gameplay, and what sets it apart is, uh, I mean it's just the sheer amount of weapons that you get in this game. There's like a ton of weapons that you get in this game and that you can use. Um, I mean you mostly stick to the Trank guns and the uh and the Mosin Nagant because they're just really good weapons. But um just like the variety you have like between weapons and like being able to um just completely like sneak through a whole section without ever having to, like ever interact with any enemies or just like gunning down every single enemy. Like I love how much variety there is in all of that in every single level. Um, which I mean, I I've, I've kind of played some of Dishonored and uh, some of Splinter and I don't think I ever beat either of those games. Um, but with that, it's like you you know you if it, with those games it does feel like you do have to take down enemies, um, and you, there's a you know a lot of interesting uh, weapons and uh, items that you use to take them down. But with four, it's it's with Metal Gear Solid four the way stealth is implemented in the sense that you can like just completely like hide like in a, like a corner and just have like every enemy pass you by and then just like kind of sneak past them like that, or just like do like a straight shoot where like you make sure that they, they won't see you in like that exact path you're following. You make sure that there's no one there. I think it's very unique to that game. Hmm. And to uh, the, so it's the almost like kind of like
0: a player agency or emphasis on yeah. freedom that mm-hmm. you can approach different situations in different ways. Yeah. Um and I, I think you see that early on in uh one of one of the really cool things about 4 is uh you're thrown into like this battlefield. Um that's active like there's different sides fighting each other and you can kind of interfere with that or you can kind of try and get around it as best as you can. Mm-hmm. Um and that was really impressive to me as somebody who started, you know, with the the more closed kind of corridors and the closed areas and one set of guards and things like that. This one was just explosive in the Middle East right away. Um, but you could definitely approach those different situations in different ways. You can disarm that tank early on, or you can let it kind of go down and draw fire and hide behind it. Or you can, you know, take this route up through a building or you can go along the ground and, mm. Um, you can do the non lethal or the lethal. You could use this kind of weapon or that kind. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of variety is really cool for this series. Okay, getting into some audience questions. Uh, if you want to ask a question or share a comment to get a mention on this show, then you got to keep an eye out on my Twitter at The Well Mage, where I announce the topics for each Mage Cast episode in advance. Uh, You can also email me at thewellreadmage at gmail.com if you want to, although I might put in the spam folder. This is a question from Games With Coffee. Do you think love can bloom on the battlefield? Seriously, though, do you think we're reaching a point where AI will eventually dictate our lives? Do you also think that video games have an effect on developing military applications, weapons, defense, etc.? Uh I remember you and I were chatting once we were like, are there really railguns? Uh and there really are railguns. You cannot carry them. Yeah. Apparently. They're like mounted on like battleships and stuff like that. Uh I don't think they got a rail gun idea like like some military designer is like, oh dude, a railgun on Rex, I want to make that in real life. So I don't know if it works kind of like that. No. Uh I, I don't know anybody playing metal gear solid gets an idea to make like a real military application
1: i think it's the reverse i yeah i see metal gear solid and i feel like a lot of these weapons are like this game is like so steeped in like like te- like military technology uh-huh. is that i feel like uh, a lot of real military technology influences the, this game you know right, right, right and these weapons like oh how can i make this weapon into like a like a railgun on a like a battleship. How can I make that into like a, a gun so that a human, could uh, carry. a human could carry? Yeah, I mean, it's more like there's that. like
0: that fantasy element. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the other AI part? dictating our lives? Right. Um. I mean, we just have TikTok so far. <laughs> well, the big thing is, I mean, look at how people get caught up in politics. If one politician is an AI, would you be able to tell? Probably not. Probably not. I think. I mean, it's... a uh,
1: I mean, yeah, it kind of is controlling our lives now. Like, um, I mean, one of the things I've f- learned about in college was um, this idea of that media doesn't tell you what to think. It tells you what to think about. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense. Um, some that, media? Some like. media. Well, I mean, no, because well, it's not even like some media. It's just if you know every single media outlet's going to talk about a, a story a different way
0: oh i'm sorry i thought you meant entertainment no no not even you entertainment said media, but you mean news outlets yeah Muse. media outlets okay. it's like news i guess I mean. um
1: or even even fiction like sometimes entertainment too um you know they're going to tell each story a different way uh-huh but they're all telling that story And so that's the thing, you know, they're choosing to tell this story. And so that's what you're going to think about. And so, um,
0: well, I think like what I, I guess as I'm trying to, and maybe you can clarify this is, uh, you know, do you think that some stories, uh, attempt? So you said that, uh, can you say that phrase again? That, that news media doesn't tell you what to think. They tell you what to think about. Right. So then what I interpreted that was entertainment, I think that some stories, fiction, uh, attempts to tell you to think in a certain way mm-hmm. by the presentation of its themes and its ideas. And so you have you know things that are like in more propaganda than art or things that are preachy or things that are soapboxy and they are attempting to force you to think a certain way, but you don't have to buy into that, being forced to think that way. So in a sense, you're still just being provoked to think about, even though I think that there are some pieces of fiction that are designed to make you think in a certain way. So it's almost yeah. like there's a level of like primary and like secondary.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, ultimately it's always up to the person of what they choose to think about right. something. I mean, I mean what they choose um, to agree with you, there know, you go. a piece yeah. of it, but like you're still thinking about it. Right. And so it's still a part of your life. And like, so in the sense of, you know, we're constantly inundated with like information and mm-hmm. news articles like uh, like i always look at my google thing and like the headlines are specifically tailored to me what the what google google thinks i'm interested in yeah just based off based what off I ser- of, your, of what i search yeah. you know in some sense like oh yeah i see this headline i'm like okay now i'm gonna think about that because
0: you know of ai yeah and so well, that's not really ai right because it's like things like cookies and stuff like that it's not like it's actively like sentient
1: right okay yeah, yeah well yeah okay but
0: then, you can kind of see the shadows of that the thing, shadows right? yeah, yeah.
1: yeah of leading into that because i mean that's what makes saw it 2 was about you know yeah. a lot of like uh, memes and news media and politics becoming uh at some point you know it's all kind of like you know mind i don't even want to say mind control but it's uh it's all like filling you with information and it controls the, like what to think what you think about uh-huh. and like if that ever became somehow like sentient yeah like in the way that's does information control like snake yeah. talks about. It in his that's yeah that's information control yeah um if it's if that somehow became all sentient like like it did in middle gear solid four like i don't i don't know if that would ever happen but you do see shadows of that you know mm-hmm. of like how our devices learn stuff about us a lot yeah. and how at some i don't know if at some point we'll live in that i don't know yeah but you control information, you control
0: the universe. Yeah.
1: But um, information control is definitely a thing. Yeah.
0: Definitely a thing in our day and age. Yeah. Information control. Um, interesting. Well, I think there's a lot to unpack in that question, but uh, we'll have to <laughs> uh, have a separate conversation on that sometime. This is from Eros Elric, who said, happy anniversary, Red. Hey, thanks. Uh do you believe the beauty and the beast bosses are on par with the original foxhound which we discussed uh we don't both of us agree that uh, they're kind of weak sauce. Um what I liked about foxhound is there was variety and mm-hmm. you know they weren't all kind of like the same shtick over and over again. Yeah, they felt like a a motley crew. A motley a crew. A ragtag I was going to
1: say like a like comic and like in like the like Justice League, you know, they're yeah. all so different like you have like Sleuther. You have like the Joker. Yeah. You have
0: Solomon Grundy. <laughs> Solomon Grundy. Yeah. Like they all. Solomon filled... Grundy is the B and B core, and Joker and Lex Luthor are foxhound. Yeah, but they, but
1: like something like the Injustice, like they all these all like rogues galleries from like comic books. They all yeah. feel, like, each villain feels like a different thing, right? And very stands on its own. But like you get the B and B, and it's like Ugh.
0: they're all kind of this, the
1: same. They're they all almost like they're standardized. Almost they all they're all wearing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. They all have like a horrible backstory. Yeah. Um, like at the same level of like wh- wh- horribleness. <laughs>
0: yeah, and and if there were five, you'd probably be like, There's too many. Because mm-hmm. that would get tedious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and then he asks, Should Old Snake do a crossover game with Kratos from the latest God of War game entitled Grumpy Old Killers? Um yes. Yes. There you go. Uh, this is a final question. Oh, this is brilliant. This is from Magi was taken. What do you think about the whole, I'm so dummy thick that my cheeks keep alerting the guards meme. And why do you think <laughs> that? <laughs> <laughs> I was not ready for that. <laughs> uh, I love it. That's one of the best things about, uh, having a guest who doesn't know what the audience questions are going to be. I've had time to think about this for like a week. (laughs) That's the first time you've had dummy thick on your mind. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What do you think about the whole, I'm so dummy thick that my cheeks keep alerting the guards meme. Why do you think that memes have such a great influence on meme culture? Oh, also how thick is snake really? And do you have any ships in the universe? How thick with two C's is snake? Really? I think that's mostly, uh, thanks to smash. Uh, because those, those Bunions are ginormous. Yeah, smash, for like, like no ball. reason in Smash. Like they're humongous. Yeah. Uh, They don't look quite as pronounced as Bubble Buddy. In, uh, well, particularly in this game where he, you know, he would have, I guess, shriveled up a little bit. It looks like a raisin. Yeah. But uh, we don't have an answer as to how thick Solid Snake is. His measurements might be... 40, 36, 6,000. But we can't verify <laughs> that. Um,
1: wait, so wait. I, so loaded. So what do we think about that meme? I'm so dummy thick
0: meme? E, what do you think about that meme? I guess is the first part of that question. I mean, I
1: love it. I mean, it's I've funny. Se- I've seen those memes where, yeah, they show like Snake's butt from uh, Smash Brothers. And when they point it out, I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah, he, uh, why, why is he that thick? I have to ask i remember one time i made a because in smash ultimate when they brought him back um and like someone announced like oh no they nerfed snakes butt!" it's like flat i was like no
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, clap of my cheeks keeps alerting the guards ah my goodness could there be anything funnier than that um why i I think it
1: speaks to how like kojima is even willing to sexualize men
0: to uh Oh, Vamp is humongously sexualized Raiden is Raiden right is um, yeah. In an effeminate sense um, Like there's that scene I totally forgot about but Remembered earlier today Where the President of the United States grabs his groin And is like So you're a man? I was like wait What? What? Yeah That's uh, kind of bizarre Like obviously he's a man I, He looks slightly effeminate But I it's not know. like
1: Yeah so That's surprising Kojima's egalitarian if anything Right? No, I <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh,
0: the second part of this question was why do you think that memes have such a great influence on meme culture?
1: What does that mean? I I don't know. Um, that's like how do movies have influence on movie culture?
0: I think that um, I think that memes are fascinating. I want to. I'll say this. I think that memes are fascinating. Um, in terms of how we communicate with each other via collected or collective uh, bits of knowledge that are shared. So like once you recognize a meme format, you can continuously, like once you get what's happening in that mm. picture, um, then you can forever get that reference. Yeah. No matter how much it's changed. And that's handy because it's just an image, right? So like the image of the guy walking with hand in hand with his girlfriend that's turning around over his shoulder, looking at the other woman walking past. Once you know what's happening there, then they can swap out any characters they want, any mm. things that they want, and you will forever understand that yeah. like it's it's a matter of this man appreciating this over that, right? And so and I think that's a really interesting part of the way that we communicate as a species that we can communicate with essentially symbols or pictures, um, that easily. Uh, it reminds you of like hieroglyphs almost. It's just like mm-hmm. this is like. Like someday aliens will like decipher our memes and be like, "Oh, this is what they were trying to say about this or that." Um, meme culture can get a little annoying at a certain point, but uh, yeah, I think memes was as far as what they are are fascinating. Yeah,
1: there's something that can be. I love it when they break your expectation too, like wholesome memes. Yes, <laughs> like that one you brought up to me the other day about, um, like, w- are you winning, son? And then like you know you expect it to be something that's like not even like a video game, but in that. You saw that meme where he's like, "Yeah, Dad, I am actually. You want to come talk to my friends?"
0: <laughs> like, yeah. And the dad's like, "How are y'all doing?" And they're like, "Oh, your dad's so cool." It's like it's the like, end of the meme. It's
1: only funny because you understand what that meme exactly.
0: What it takes the format for is. Knowledge, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. One of my favorite memes is anti joke chicken. Yeah, Um and it's an older meme, sir, but yeah, it checks out. Oh, yeah. That's, um, <laughs> It's a great one. I can though. has cheeseburger level. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty well, old. gerd uh ohmer yeah. yeah. Uh do you have any ships in this universe? Snake and Merrill. Yeah, I, sh- I-, I
1: should have Snake and Merrill real bad.
0: Um it feels on. wrong to do it with old snake.
1: It does, yeah. It's just like I don't want to uh, pair Merrill up with a... No uh like it's like, oh, is that his nurse?
0: yeah well it says in this universe so i'm gonna say ps1 meryl and ps1 snake
1: okay I'll that's go with my it. Ship.
0: i mean who else because i mean well you remember that one time we were looking at ships or fan art and i found somebody shipped the pain and the fury or no the pain and the fear together and i was Did like they? there is a ship for any everything yeah i guess i mean that's crazy i didn't call it the pier the pier uh, insane I mean, I don't
1: know. Like, Middle Gear Solid to me isn't uh, too ship heavy. It's mostly like it's just like, oh yeah, we had feelings at one point and now we don't anymore. It's what it, yeah. <laughs> so the time it feels like in this game. Yeah, I can agree with that. There's no like love triangle
0: in a uh, like Final Fantasy Seven or anything. No, there's um, not a whole ton of romance. Uh, Audicon and Naomi was cool for a little bit. I yeah. didn't like what she did to him. Um Autokon and Sniper Wolf was like, this is not gonna work out. Yeah, are I you know. kidding me? I remember that was stupid. Yeah. And um Maybe you, you it, feel bad for him, but yeah. you're like, it's not gonna work out. And then out,
1: you got but... like Big Boss and Ava. Um
0: <laughs> <laughs> Snakey Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was not romance either. That was just like
1: your nature. And then before you got Merrill and Johnny, like th- this is oh what counts gosh. as a romance.
0: Nah, it's terrible
1: you know what but you know what what i'll say this venom and quiet just
0: just because venom and quiet yeah hey there's there's a couple scenes that are like are they like developing something because that's i'm just gonna say it just to completely say it. wrong yeah it is yeah no yeah, it's stupid i mean you ki- yeah. i'm gonna say it just to say it. you're like kidnapped her and like you're keeping her in a cage on your sh- on she your... can
1: leave anytime she wants. Well,
0: she could, but she also can't communicate. So that's true. Well, mm, okay, you want to You me. beat the game. Yeah, I need to beat it.
1: Well, but, um, hey, hey, I just wanted to say something. Go ahead. Them besides, um, Maryland Snake and uh, Middle Gear Solid 1, because that's the only one that makes sense to me. It is the
0: one that makes
1: sense. And even then, it was like they had a quite a bit of an age gap too. So it's like. Mm.
0: I mean a little bit but it wasn't like it wasn't extreme.
1: It wasn't that extreme. No. But that one still makes the most sense though. So. That's true.
0: So like MGS4, this has been a long podcast and not that MGS4 is a podcast but the length you get, yeah.
1: There is a podcast in Metal Gear Solid 4 which we didn't even talk there about
0: is, on the iPod. We're not going to talk about that now. Mm-hmm. Uh this has also been a convoluted and somewhat messy podcast just like MGS4. It's a lot of parallels. Um I've a mustache. So there you go. Well, thanks Armando for um for being on this episode. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for helping to found this whole thing. Technically wouldn't be here without you. That I can't possibly tell you how that makes me feel. Yeah, sadder than old snake. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Man. I'm kidding. I, I love Woolworth Mage. Oh, uh, you don't have to make a speech. I love America.
1: <laughs> like- I'm sorry what I did to that cave seat bathroom.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh folks, hey, if you like this episode, leave us a review. We appreciate it. Go on iTunes, go on Podchaser, check it out. Uh, if you want to follow our motto, you could do so at Champagne poppy. uh, (laughs) Champagne. Electric
1: boogaloo? I'm kidding. That's a Drake's Instagram. Oh. No. um, How
0: do you know that off the top of your head? What are you talking about? Drake's an icon. Okay. I'm kidding. I don't know anything. I don't know Kim Kardashian's... Like... Anyways, what's your freaking Twitter handle, dude? (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to belabor this. um, No, I don't. (laughs) At Black Humor Mage. Yeah, follow him. Uh, It says it's not safe for work in his profile, but... It's totally safe for work. All right. Go there. Tell him your favorite joke. He'll probably tell you a joke. Smart guy. Witty guy. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, thanks everyone so much for your support. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the show more, you can check out patreon.com forward slash the well-read mage. That's kind of our headquarters of support for the entire well-read mage concept. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on passed down by the dwarves the elves, and the dragons. The three musketeers, the three bears, three strikes, you're out. The number three is a very important number. That's why we have three hosts for Story Mode, the weekly video game podcast. Join Ryan, Red, and me, Blue, as we cover gaming news and gaming legacy. Whether we're the three wise men, or more like the three stooges, we're really not sure. But one thing's for certain, at the end of this three-ring circus, we'll still be the Three Amigos. Check out Story Mode on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.